So much is going on. People are dying, disease, storms here in Knoxville and, and all across Tennessee, tornadoes, uh, all kinds of things that are going on. And still yet in the midst of everything, Jesus, he is our source, he is our rock, he is our strength, he is our hope, uh, he is our comfort, uh, he is present, he is there when things seem in chaos. He is our order. He is everything. And so I just want to encourage you today to call on Jesus. Again, if you're looking for whatever it is that you're looking for, can't nobody do you and bring whatever you need uh, like Jesus can. Uh, I just want to thank you for tuning in or, or uh, clicking and listening to our live stream. Uh, we are Bridge Church. Uh, and at Bridge Church, we are a ministry of reconciliation. Uh, we often say this. Uh, what does it mean? It simply means that um, we're looking to, to call people into relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And as a result of being in relationship with Christ, we are now in relationship with one another. And so we put off all of uh, those things that would divide us and separate us uh, and look to be one in Christ Jesus. Uh, that's what it means for us to be a ministry of uh, reconciliation. Uh, again, we welcome you to Bridge Church. Uh, the other thing that we're doing at Bridge Church is uh, it's called The Journey. And uh, in The Journey, we are uh, together as one body in everything that we do, whether it's small groups, uh, youth ministry, children's ministry, uh, teaching, uh, on Sunday, everything that we do is following along the path of the journey. And in the journey, we are together as a body uh, going through the Bible together in uh, the year 2020 from start uh, to finish. And so when I preach on Sundays, uh, I preach based on what we read from uh, the previous uh, week. And uh, right now we're in the book of, of Joshua transitioning into Judges. I started Judges a little bit past halfway through uh, this, uh, this week. And so I want to, um, I want to f uh, finish the book of Judges and uh, call your attention to Judges chapter 24. I think it's fitting again for uh, all that we see, all that we're going through during this time. Uh, and I'm going to be... Uh, uh, focusing on Judges chapter 24, uh, verses 14 through about 22. Uh, just to sort of catch you up with where we are, uh, uh, the book of Je uh, J Joshua, I think I said Judges, I meant Joshua, uh, uh, to catch you up with where we are, uh, in the book of Joshua, uh, Moses at the end of Deuteronomy has passed away, and Joshua has taken over the reins uh, for the people uh, of Israel. He is uh, about to lead them into battle to take the promised land uh, for the people. Uh, and that means uh, going in and destroying everything that stands in order for uh, the people to have the land uh, to themselves. Uh, we see everything from spies that go into Israel that are uh, going to the promised land who are protected uh, by Rahab. Uh, they cross over the Jordan uh, with the waters parted uh, in the same fashion uh, that they did the Red Sea when they were going through the uh, wilderness uh, by Moses. 
they run into the commander of the Lord's army, uh, who, who basically uh, is a reassurance uh, to Joshua that the Lord is going before him, and uh, the, the battle and the victory is going to be at the hands of God himself uh, and not uh, the children. They just have to walk in and uh, be obedient and do what God has called them uh, to do. And so when we get to Joshua chapter 24, we're looking at the end, and, and Joshua is coming up on the end of his days, uh, and he has slowed down, and their conquest has begun to wane, and uh, they're starting to settle into the land. And in their settling, uh, they're no longer fighting. Uh, they haven't quite cleared the land of all of the people who are there, uh, but Joshua, uh, uh, understanding, seeing how uh, things in the past have happened, uh, begins to admonish the people uh, that they are not to return uh, to the old things. They, uh, Joshua specifically warns them uh, of the parable, peril that we're all susceptible to, uh, particularly the children of Israel, uh, because they have gone down the road before. Uh, and that peril is to not be enticed by sin and disobedience uh, and turn to other gods. That's the message of Joshua uh, in Joshua chapter 24. Now, I think it's important for us to understand uh, something that I, I, I think would uh, be in consideration going forward uh, with regard to not turning to other gods. Uh, because I don't believe that Joshua is acknowledging the existence of other gods. Uh, for there is only one God. And I think even through the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, uh, Numbers, uh, that, that those books were written by Moses with the purpose of us understanding uh, that there is one God, only one. And we begin to see it being developed uh, in Exodus where uh, God refers to uh, himself and calls himself the I Am. There's only one God. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35, it says, uh, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. No, there, uh, there is no other besides him. This is what is being developed through those first five books, that God is Lord and sovereign over everything. He is the only God. Uh, you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is only one God. And so what does it mean when Joshua uh, is admonishing the people not to turn to other gods? Well, be uh, certain that there are spirits out there who are posing as gods, and they would have you following after them and capitalizing on sinful desires, hoping to entice you to turn away from the Lord. Uh, frankly, anytime you give yourself over to sinful desire, you are effectively giving lordship of your life to that thing. If you don't believe me, look at Genesis chapter 4. And it says, uh, this, is, this is Cain, and, and, and God is addressing Cain, and God says, if you do well, 
will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Uh, And that same word desire is the same word that's used when uh, God places the curse on uh, man and woman in the garden. And uh, he tells the woman that uh, her desire will be for her husband, but he will rule over you. Uh, This desire, meaning that sin desires to master you and control you and have lordship over your life. And this is how uh, the desires in our hearts uh, sort of work. Look at James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Cain himself was ruled by a spirit of anger, a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of rage. And when we have these desires uh, sort of festering within us and we give in to them, we allow those uh, desires to lead us down a path of sinfulness. And effectively, it has uh, control and lordship over our life. This is the curse. Uh, It is to be ruled by our evil desires. And as a result, given over to death. Uh, But the blessing, the blessing of God leads to life, uh, to be ruled by God and him making us uh, to fulfill our true purpose and his desire for our uh, lives. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. All I'm trying to help you to understand is that uh, when, when, when Joshua talks about not turning to other gods, uh, he's simply saying, don't turn away from God. Don't allow sin and evil desires to rule over you. I think this is a better fit for our own context because many of us don't have uh, an understanding of what it means to fashion Uh, clay or mold a a piece of rock into something and then bow down uh, to worship it. However, uh, when we talk about uh, what it means to be idolatrous and to worship and to serve other gods, we're really talking about a condition of the heart. We're talking about the heart being led away, uh, the heart desiring things that are not of God. And we see Israel experience this over and over and over and over again. Whether it's the golden calf, whether it is the murmuring and not understanding that the provision that God has uh, given them is carrying them through the wilderness. And they don't have to murmur and complain because God has something for them at all times. Whether it's even them going into the promised land and not cleansing the land of all that God uh, told them to devote to destruction. Uh, because they were in jeopardy of being led astray. And Joshua uh, attempts to address this issue 
uh, before it becomes a problem again. And so he implores the people to stand for the Lord no matter what. And so we're going to go to Joshua chapter 24 and look at verses 14 uh, through 22 and see exactly what Joshua has to say. Joshua chapter 24, starting at verse 14, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the, the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Uh, therefore, uh, uh, something my professor told me that I share with Bridge all the time is that uh, when you see a therefore, always find out what the therefore is there for. Uh, why is it that they are to serve uh, and to fear the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness and put away uh, those other guys? It is because of the faithfulness of God and what he had brought them through and what he had showed them time and time and time again. He is worth them uh, uh, dedicating themselves fully, serving him uh, in sincerity and in faithfulness. Uh, and it's always the case that uh, his work, it is his work and his faithfulness uh, that brings us to salvation. It is his faithfulness that we can trust and depend on. Uh, Joshua says, in sincerity, and I looked up that word and Essentially, I came, up, uh, came away with the thought that to serve him in sincerity is to let no part of yourself not be devoted to him. Every aspect of your life should be committed to God. Every single thing that you are and all that you do, everything that is a part of your life should be committed and dedicated to God in faithfulness, being steadfast and not allowing the enemy uh, uh, no one in this world to persuade you otherwise than to be faithful uh, to God, to serve him uh, with everything. Look at what he has done and who he is. He can be trusted, depended on, counted through uh, on in even the toughest of times. You can look back over your life and see what God has done. Verse 15 says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here is the stance that we must all take. I kind of want to stand up right now. Uh, that that uh, as for me and my house, all that I am, all that I do, all that uh, I strive to be, anything that I am going to be about, I am going to stand for God. In the midst of these circumstances, we are going to stand for God. When it's not convenient, we're going to stand for God. Uh, when it's not popular, we're going to stand for God. When it's not easy to do, we're going to stand for God. The challenge to the unbeliever or to the believer is to stand firm and steadfast in the face of difficulty 
And what better time? Because things are hard, <laughs> harder than we've seen in a, uh, probably any of our lifetimes. Uh, difficult circumstances and situations. We're still going to stand for God. As for me and my house, we will serve uh, the Lord. The challenge to the unbeliever is to understand the depths of the grace of God and that the point and purpose of your life is to bring you into relationship with him. So everything that you're going through, everything that you're experiencing, every question that you have in the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, everything that you are wondering why this is happening right now in your life, whether it's difficulty with your job, whether it's not being able to get to loved ones the way that you want to be able to, everything that you're going through has one purpose, and that purpose is to drive you, uh, to push you, to press you into relationship with God, to repent, and to turn uh, to God in faith, uh, in hope, uh, in love. What do I mean when I say repent? I simply mean to take that old life that you live and turn away from it and turn to God and live the life uh, that he has uh, called us to live. As for me and my house, we will serve uh, the Lord. Look at verse 16. It says, then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us uh, in all the way that we have went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Uh, there is a legacy and a personal co uh, connection that uh, the people acknowledge uh, to Joshua. Understanding what God had done for them, uh, their stance was, he is our God. Uh, look what he has done for us. Uh, look how he has brought us through. Look at uh, the battles that he has won on our behalf. He is our God. And, and certainly, um, uh, you know, we have to, we have to understand that, that these things serve as a witness, things that we've gone through, things that, that, that we've experienced. This thing is about ownership. We got to own them. Like, he has to be ours. Uh, the, the experience just sort of gives us a picture leading us uh, to the understanding that he is our God. You can't just, uh, it, it, there has to be a personal connection is what I'm saying. Uh, it requires a personal kind of relationship. Uh, I, I understand, like, given uh, where we are and the times that we live in, uh, many of us were brought up in homes where 
uh, we went to church all the time or um, our parents prayed for us and these kinds of things. And those things are good. Uh, those things serve as a witness to us of the goodness of God. Um, uh, when our parents uh, are devoted to the Lord, it should serve as a witness to us and what he has done. We ought to see it, but at some point, it can't just be your mother's God. It can't be uh, your father's God. Uh, he has to be mine. Uh, he has to uh, uh, be owned by me. I've got to be willing to stand on him. Uh, there has to be a personal connection. Uh, in modern times, we call it personal relationship. Uh, you need a relationship. Uh, it's not just religion. Uh, it's not just going through the motions. It's not just getting up and watching a feed on Sunday morning. It's not coming into a place of worship uh, inside of a building on Sunday morning. It's not uh, reading your Bible on occasion. Uh, it's not praying just when things seem to go wrong in your life, reaching out uh, to the God of your mother because you remember her calling on him when you were a child. It's, it's more than all of this. It is uh, taking that ownership. It's, it's grasping hold to something that uh, you understand. It's all about your relationship with God. And that relationship can only come through Jesus Christ. You can't get to God any other way. You can try all you want to. We said earlier, if you're searching for joy, people are trying to find joy in all kinds of ways. Whether it's drugs, uh, whether it's uh, the news, whether it's money, all kinds of ways. The only way that you are going to find the kind of joy that you were meant to have, the kind of peace that only God can give you is through a relationship uh, in Jesus Christ. We'll talk more. We'll talk more. Joshua uh, chapter 24, verse 19, it says, But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Verse 20 says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Uh, here's a simple way to put it. There's no fence straddling. <laughs> You're either on the Lord's side or you're not. Joshua is saying, uh, you guys have to be all in. Why? Because he's holy and he's jealous. I mean by, what does it mean by he's holy? Simply means he's without sin. It means that anything that comes to his, uh, into his presence that is uh, impure, unclean, gets consumed uh, because he is holy. Uh, it means that he has no place with uh, the kind of idolatry and, and, and sinfulness that Joshua is talking about. There's no place. Uh, you are either with the Lord or you are not. There is no in-between. 
There's no middle ground. You can't say that you love the Lord, but live a life that is contrary to it. You can't say we will serve him and we will be about that life, but then live the life that God is not calling us to live. They don't go together. They cannot coexist. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> in, in this culture, uh, in particular, there's something about this culture that people want to be able to hold on to God with one hand and hold on to the world with the other. And it does not work. I remember uh, having a conversation with a guy at work uh, years ago. We were talking about what it means to be a Christian. I told this story the other day, as a matter of fact. Uh, his idea of being a Christian was simply being born in the South. I was like, well, that's the first thing that's wrong. And I, I said, no, no, no. What it means to be, be a Christian means that you are a sold-out, committed, dedicated, loving uh, Christ and have accepted uh, Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he was like, well, what do you mean? Sold out. What does that mean? I said, well, let's, let's say, uh, given the circumstances at the time uh, that the country was overrun and uh, people were putting swords uh, to the neck saying, uh, bow down or die. Uh, I was like, what it means to be sold out is uh, in that moment, uh, you're going to accept death as your fate. <laughs> and his response was, well, I'll just live to tell another day. And there are a lot of people in this world, in this country, in our state, in this neighborhood, who are pretending that they know the Lord that they love him, that they've called on him, but their heart doesn't line up with their words. Their hearts are far from God, even though their words acknowledge him. God is holy, and he demands holiness of his people. And not only is he holy, but he's jealous God. I mean, when I say that he's jealous, Again, I, I remember uh, several years ago watching uh, a clip of Oprah Winfrey, and she said that she was, uh, this was her whole uh, spill about why she uh, stopped being, or so-called stopped being a Christian. Uh, she said she was at a church, and she was uh, listening to the preacher talk about how good and how great God was, and she said that God, uh, the preacher said that God is a jealous God. And her understanding of him being a jealous God meant that he was jealous of her. It's like, no, God is not jealous of you. Uh, God is jealous for his glory. Uh, God is jealous when uh, um, we call ourselves committed to him, but then serve other gods and serve uh, other things. God wants all of the glory because he is God. and He is God all by himself. Uh, Isaiah 42 and 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, uh, nor my praise to carved idols. 
Uh, there is nothing uh, of, of, uh, that belongs to him that he is willing to go uh, give away, meaning his glory, meaning his praise, ultimately meaning his deity. He is jealous for himself, and he will not stand for us uh, to give or acknowledge someone else, especially those who would call them his people. There's no excuses. There's no fence straddling. Either be hot or be cold. Don't be in between. The worst thing in the world, the thing I hate the most, the thing I can't stand more than anything else, is you go on these shows and you watch like um, uh, the Grammys or something like that and you see these artists get up and after they've defamed uh, God in their music and their art and after they have um, um, cast down women and, and, and just profaned everything that is sacred and holy, they get on uh, television and the first person they want to thank is God when God didn't have anything to do uh, with the nonsense that, that, that was put out uh, from them. I would rather for people to be completely honest about who they are with themselves, understanding what the true need is, than to lie to themselves and live a lie uh, and not really know God. That's what we need. So what are the implications? Uh, verse 21, let me just finish this. It says, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Here's my first point. Uh, give yourself to God. Completely, totally, 100%. Uh, life circumstances, um, all that you're going through, everything that you're experiencing is not an excuse for a lack of devotion to God. Give yourself to him completely, everything. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 23, it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but uh, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Uh, there are no excuses, whether... Uh, it is a, a physical thing that you have shaped with your hands or whether it is uh, something uh, within your mind that you have fashioned, uh, that you have shaped with your thoughts. Idolatry comes in many forms. Uh, again, ultimately, it is a condition of the heart. Uh, there is no excuse. We know who he, he, he is. He has revealed himself. And so we, we take these thoughts that we have shaped and formed and, and that rule over us, that we have made images even in our own minds. We take those 
uh, images and we cast uh, them down uh, because uh, there's no excuse not to follow after God. Uh, some of us have been captured uh, and ruled by all kinds of things, captured by our fear. Uh, we're captured by our lust uh, of our eyes, uh, of our ears, the things that uh, we eat. We are captured by a spirit of anger, uh, a spirit of people-pleasing, a, a spirit of false humility, a spirit of looking for fulfillment in all of the wrong things, sex and drug abuse. We're captured and uh, ruled by our jobs and our phones and our uh, electronic devices. All kinds of things are ruling our lives, and God wants our devotion, first and foremost, above all and everything else that's going on in our life. God wants your devotion. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your children. He wants your job. He wants uh, your home, everything that you're, you're, you're connected to, that you're attached to. God wants that. He wants it. He wants you to give it to him. He wants your whole life centered around him. He wants everything. He wants to be the center of everything so that when you find yourself in a bit of depression, you can find joy in him. When there is chaos, chaos all around us, we can turn to him for our peace. When we have that wayward child and we just don't know what to do, we call on the Lord. And we're okay with that because we know that he got, he has us. We're his. He wants our complete and total devotion. Your insecurities, your trust, everything. Your problems, give it to him. He is a burden bearer. Take on his burden. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Not only does God want our complete devotion, but here's my last point, and this is what I want to leave you with. Everyone out in cyber land, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is how we can commit to God. Uh, he is the one who gives us life. Uh, he is the one who took the curse upon himself uh, by hanging on a cross, dying, and even more, he got up. And he has all power. He ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's not a white God. He's not a black God. He's not a rich God. He's not a poor God. He's not a God from the left side of the track or the right side of the track. He is God all by himself. And he made everything that there is by the power of his word. And his word is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Jesus is Lord. What does it mean when you make that proclamation that he is Lord? You are understanding with your heart and confessing with your lips the understanding 
that Jesus is God come down in the flesh, that he died so that we wouldn't have to. He took that curse upon himself. He died so you wouldn't have to. You say, well, preacher, I still have to die. Well, yeah, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so it doesn't matter what you go through in this life. Understand that it's all for the sake of calling us back into relationship with him and acknowledging him as Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords, the great I am. We call his name Jesus. There's no one greater. If you would just pray with me, wherever you are, wherever you might be, listening to this stream or in this place with us, Lord God, we just call on your name. There is no other name that is worthy, uh, that is able, that can satisfy like the name of Jesus. There's someone listening who does not know you. There's someone listening who has pretended their whole life. There's someone listening who... Uh, is leaning on uh, the uh, relationship that their parents may have had with you. Uh, Father, we are just asking on this morning that you would uh, touch hearts and minds, that people would uh, completely devote everything that they have, everything that they are to you, so that they can stand and say with all sincerity and with faithfulness that as for me and my house, we will serve you, no one else. Nothing else will have lordship over our lives. Nothing else will draw us away. Nothing else will entice us. Uh, nothing will keep us from holding on to your precious promises. We thank you. We love you. We adore you. It's in your name that we pray. Uh, I just want to encourage all of you out there today uh, that if you don't uh, know Jesus, first of all, uh, you can contact us through our website, uh, bridgenox.com. Uh, you can contact me personally, anthony at bridgenox.com. Uh, uh, find me any kind of way that you can. You can look us up on Facebook. Uh, I believe we're on Instagram and Twitter and all of those things as well. However, uh, you need to reach out. Please uh, do uh, so um, I just encourage you to reach out uh, and then let me say through this uh, hard and trying times that uh, if we would keep uh, those in prayer who are struggling, uh, who are going through uh, all kinds of uh, troubles and difficulties in these times, uh, let's keep those persons in prayer. Uh, and they are many. Uh, and, and then finally, I just want to implore you to stay safe uh, and to stay healthy. Uh, we love you at Bridge Church. Uh, I miss all of you, uh, and I can't wait for us to get back together again. Until uh, we see each other again, uh, God bless you, God keep you, uh, and God be with you.